Let us pray. Father, we come again to you and we just love you so much, Lord. And Father, we know that your love for each one of us is great. And Father, that any love that each one of us have, Lord, is because you've given it to us. And you've made it possible for us to be able to express your great love to a lost and dying world, Lord. Father, you have asked each one of us to go out into the world and you have asked us to make disciples of all nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we just ask that you give us the courage to step out and to speak your truth and to speak your love to the world, Lord, and to speak all that uh, you would have us to speak to them, Lord, that they would come to a greater understanding of who you are and that their hearts would be open to your truth and to your love. And Father, we also ask today, as your word is being preached, Lord, that only your word is preached and that your truth is spoken to the congregation today, Lord, that each one of us become better equipped to do your good work and to accomplish your goodwill in our lives, Lord. And Father, that we learn to apply what you teach us and learn to put it, assimilate it into our daily lives, Lord, that we grow closer to you, we are strengthened and emboldened by the power of the Spirit who lives within us, Lord, and that we accomplish the good works that you have for each one of us. And we ask all of this in the gracious name of our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, this week, Valentine's Day week, right? We all have been thinking about the love that we have for each other, for our spouses, for our family members, and for our loved ones. And I thought about love quite a bit this week and the impact that it has on each one of our lives. We all have different understandings of love, yet we all do understand when love has been bestowed upon us by a friend or a loved one. There are different types of love. We will briefly discuss these different types of love today. However, I would like to focus on the love that is far deeper and meaningful than the fleeting love we so often see in the world today. The love that the world sees many times is one that involves no commitment and easily gives up. And as soon as things get difficult, this love quickly dies and moves on to the next person or the next situation that gives us a feeling of love. I would like to talk about, what I would like to talk about today is a love that is more challenging and it's more difficult and it takes work. And the wherewithal to never give up. We heard a little bit, just a little bit ago, about that kind of love today. About the love of a marriage that has been sustained for 49 years. Not many marriages without love are going to be sustained for 49 years. And you know that God is working through that marriage. This kind of love, it stays through all the storms that come our way. It fights when there seems no reason to continue, and it endures to the end. Even when we feel like quitting, we fight those feelings of wanting to quit and rely on the commitment that we have given in love. 
This love is founding God and His church. It is expressed in the mission that God has given the church as well. Let us take a moment now and let us go to Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 19. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The mission of the church is to share the gospel of Christ. We are to live out our faith day by day. God has called us to righteous living and perseverance. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. He has prepared those works in advance for each one of us to do. And we are called to go and to make disciples of all nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let us take a moment now and take a, little, uh, take a look at the picture of the type of love I'm talking about. We'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and starting in verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. Even having the great gifts of God and implying those great gifts of God to our lives, if we don't have love, they mean nothing. That is just so amazing to me that that is how important love is and God's love is. If I give all I possess to the poor and go over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, and it does not envy. It does not boast, and it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, and it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. What benefit is it to do any of this without love? What do we gain if we don't have love? Love is the cornerstone of everything that is in the church. We have salvation because of love. We have the grace and mercy of God because of love. There is nothing good that we can accomplish in our lives if we do not have love toward other people. There are three different types of love that are really talked about in the Bible, and I'm going to use three terms, the first one being eros. That's a romantic love. Most of us in the room here have experienced romantic love. Our feelings are heavily involved with romantic love, aren't they? 
It's not a very reliable love, is it? You know that love that I was talking about a little bit ago, the love that the world has? It's that romantic love where you're doing something for me and it makes me feel good and it pleases me. And sometimes you want to please the other person, but maybe you really aren't interested in the other person. You're only interested in what it's doing for you. Well, when that person stops giving you what you want, it's easy just to walk away from that kind of love, isn't it? It's fleeting. It doesn't last. It's not sustained. And then also, another type of love that the Bible discusses is philia. It's a close friendship or a brotherly love. That's that kind of love that we feel for each other, who maybe we have as an acquaintance or a friend at work, and you have that close bond, a kinship, a connectedness that you have with them. And maybe that's a friendship that you have for many, many years. And there is give and take in that kind of love where you help them and they help you. But there's still that thing called, well, you're, I'm doing this for you. Well, hopefully if I'm in need, you'll help me out as well in that kind of love. And then there's God's love, agape love, which is truly the highest form of love in my mind. And few people have any idea what this enduring love is. Most people, including many Christians, seem to think of it only in terms of nice feelings, romance, and desire. When we say, I love you, we often mean, I love me, and I want you. This thought process of love is very selfish and is, complete, is the complete opposite of agape love. Agape love, it's reversed, that I love you and I want you to be happy in what I'm accomplishing for you or how I'm sharing my love with you and how I'm expressing that to you. I'm not looking at how it's going to benefit me and how am I going to be honored through this love. I'm looking at what can I do to help you. There may be no benefit to me whatsoever, but I still express this love to you anyhow. Alan Redpath tells the story of a young woman who came to her pastor desperate and despondent, she said. There is a man who says he loves me so much he will kill himself if I don't marry him. What should I do? The pastor told her, do nothing. He replied, that man doesn't love you. He loves himself. Such a threat isn't love. It is pure selfishness. But you see, self-giving love, the love that demands something of us, love that is more concerned with giving than it is receiving, love that is more concerned with that is as rare in much of the church today as it was in current. The reason, of course, is that agape love is unnatural to human nature. Our culture has defined love as romantic feeling or attraction. But this is not true love, nor is it sacrificial. It tends to be self-centered. Remember the Last Supper of Jesus? He knelt down and washed the feet of his disciples, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He humbled himself 
as a servant and washed the feet of his disciples. There's no one greater than Jesus. And he came and served. He served his disciples and washed their feet. In those days, that was considered one of the lowliest jobs that you could have. And Jesus was trying to teach us something there, wasn't he? He was trying to teach us that we should be willing to do what it takes to help other people. Love above all, this kind of love, is sacrificial. It is sacrifice of self for the sake of others. Even for others who may not care nothing at all about us, or they may even hate us, but we still express God's love to them. See, this love has nothing to do with feelings. Because you know what? When I don't like somebody, my feelings aren't real great towards that person. And if I trusted my feelings, could I ever express that love or demonstrate God's love to that person that I really do not like? See, God's love transcends whether you like or dislike somebody. Whether you agree with them or not. It is the willing and joyful desire to put the welfare of others above our own. It leaves no place for pride, vanity, arrogance, self-seeking, or self-glory. It is an act of a choice, and we are commanded to exercise this choice even in behalf of our enemies. Each one of us in this room probably has somebody that is maybe our least favorite person. You may not say you hate the person. You may not even admit that you dislike the person. But we can say that this person is our enemy. How would you like to see that enemy of yours become a saint of God? We have to set our feelings and our thoughts about this person aside. And we need to turn our hearts towards God and say, God, how do you want me to respond to this person? How do you want me to help this person or be in service? To put it a better way, how do you want me to be in service to this person that I consider an enemy? And you know, in the times that we listen to God and we apply this in our lives, do you think that you might start to have compassion towards that individual? Or be able to even start to have a little bit of feeling towards that person? Maybe they really hurt you. Maybe they hurt somebody you love. But God loves that person as much as He loves you. The lack of love is behind all disobedience to God. But expressing Agape love or expressing God's love is behind all true obedience to God. God's love is active. It's not a passive love, nor is it abstract. God's love does not simply feel patient. In God's love, 
It is practiced. We practice patience. We put it into action. And it requires effort from the giver of patience. I'll share with you a little bit of a story. Early on in me and Jen's marriage, my temper was a little more glaring than it is today. I would express my temper way quicker in the past than I do now. I knew this. She pointed it out to me often. And just to be clear, she still from time to time points it out to me. But you know, I've seen God work in my life as I've tried to learn to have control of that temper and to not just fly off the handle just because I didn't agree with something or I didn't like something that was said or done. And you know what? It takes a lot of work. You are going to fail in this journey. But little by little, God has given me more patience. He's given me the ability to, at first, it was just an ability not to respond, but I still walk off in anger. But I can honestly tell you here, standing here today, that God has given me more patience. Even to the point to where, even before an argument begins, I'll go to my wife and tell her I'm sorry about something. Or I'll go to God and say, you know what, Lord? I thought a wrong way here, and I just ask that you forgive me about this, and you give me more patience in this area. See, we have that kind of relationship to God where we can communicate with Him just like we communicate with each other right here, right now. God's love requires work, and it's a journey. It's not something that happens overnight, but the longer we live with God, and the closer we grow to Him, the more of His love that is going to be expressed in our lives because we're applying His teachings to our lives. We're applying His love to our lives. We're willing to open our hearts to His ways and say, you know what, Lord, Your ways are better than my ways. And when we do that, we will grow closer to Him. We will grow closer to our loved ones. Our enemies will not be such an enemy anymore. And love is not seen in all of its fullness until it's seen as in action. Patience, in its essence, is long-suffering. Patience is not something you experience for a very short period of time, and then it's over. It is something that you willingly and gladly endure for long periods of time. Patience is that fruit of love, is the fruit of love that is something that is demonstrated towards another person. The patience here is not something that you experience while you're working on a car or fixing an appliance in your home. Patience that I'm talking about is the patience towards another human being and where you might see that they have imperfections. But we must re realize we have them too. Patience never retaliates. Even when we have 
the ability and the right to avenge ourselves, we choose not to exercise this right because we choose to express God's love by the grace and strength of our Savior Jesus Christ who resides in each one of us and gives us the power and desire to be patient and to want to be patient. Even as I speak, there may be those who say, I will not let anyone take advantage of me. They will pay if they hurt me like that. God would not expect me to turn my back on this type of mistreatment. My response is, are you sure about that? What did Jesus do? Did he turn his back on brutality expressed towards him? Did he call down the legions of angels from heaven to destroy us? Or did he allow us to bruise him? Did he allow us to scourge him? Did he allow us to hang him on a cross? You see, God's love always looks after the welfare of others and considers him or herself not as important as the one we are bestowing our patience. After all, God's love is long-suffering towards us. He loves us in our imperfections. He expresses His love to us even in our, while we are in sin. Before we loved us, Him, He loved us with an everlasting love. Let us take a moment and go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. But everyone, He wants everyone to come to repentance. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. If Jesus can be patient with us, why can't we be patient with others? Robert Ingersoll, the well-known atheist of the last century, often would stop in the middle of his lectures against God and say, I'll forgive God, I'll give God five minutes to strike me dead for the things I've said. He then used the fact that he was not struck dead as proof that God does not exist. Theodore Parker said of Ingersoll's claim, And did the gentleman think he could exhaust the patience of the eternal God in five minutes? Just as patience will allow us to take anything from other people, kindness will give anything to others. Kindness will even give to our enemies. Being kind is useful and helpful and serving and gracious towards other people. It is an act of goodwill. It does not just feel generous. This kind of generosity is one that it expresses it through our actions. See, it is generous. It doesn't have feelings of generosity. It is. This kind of love is generous. Let us take a moment now and go to Matthew chapter 5, 
in verse 40. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them too. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. I felt at times in my life where someone has been forcing me to go a mile. And when we're being forced to go to that mile, we really don't want to go that mile, do we? We're doing it because we're told to. But what happens when you reach that mile and the person's ready to quit, and you say, okay, well, let's go another mile. And you give them another mile. Does that change the dynamics of the situation really quick? That no longer are you being a servant by force, but now you are being a servant by choice. And I'd venture to say that when we're being servants by choice, that God's love is truly expressed in us and is going to be seen by the world. You see, love is never jealous. If I want what someone else has, say they have a beautiful home and I want a better one, or they have a nice car and I want a nicer one, I have envy for that person, don't I? If I wish that they didn't have what they have, and I say they do not deserve the promotion that they just received, because I should have been the one to receive it, they shouldn't have been praised for losing 40 pounds. I lost 80 and nobody noticed that I lost any weight. Am I being envious or jealous in those words? But if I lift up and glorify God because that person lost 40 pounds also or because that person got a promotion and I honor God for that, I am no longer being self-seeking, but I'm serving others by doing the work of God in giving them praise also and congratulating them. You see, even when we feel like we are cheated or we are wrong, God may have a plan for the person that you feel cheated by that you don't even realize yet. Maybe He's going to win their heart over to Him by the way you walk your life. Let us take a moment and go to Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out on early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. At about nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you what is right. And then you go on down a little bit further, and uh, down to verse 12. These who were hired last worked only, or I'm sorry, that's not where I want to be. I want to be in verse 9. The workers who were also hired about five in the afternoon came, and each of them received a denarius. So when those came that were hired first, they expected that they would receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, 
and you have made them equal to us who have been borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who hired, was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do that? To do what I want to do with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. God's teaching us here not to be envious. He's teaching us here to be gracious and appreciative for the things that He has given us. And when we're gracious towards what God gives us, and we're gracious towards others that God has bestowed maybe way we see it a greater blessing, and we joyfully accept that with them, do you think God's love can work in our lives in a way that's going to change the lives of those around us? You see, today we have learned that love is much deeper than a feeling. It is acted upon, and we must take action. Love is demonstrated in all that we do. We have genuine love for people. God will soften the hearts of those people and draw Him near to them. Remember, God has called us into action. We found that out in Matthew 28, 19, and 20 when He told us to go into the world and to make disciples of all nations. Each one of us are called into action. Also, remember, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And God prepared those in advance for us to do. When we act out God's love, when we act out agape love, God's work will be manifest in our lives. We will be productive and fruitful servants of God. We will be and are His servants, and one day soon we will be crowned, and Jesus will praise us saying, Well done, my good and faithful servant. When our eyes remain on Christ, we will love with an everlasting love that has been bestowed upon us by our Savior, and it will overflow to the world, and hearts will be changed and drawn to Christ. See, that is our mission, is to draw others to Christ. And the way that we do that is to let God's love shine through us. Do we have a willing heart to change those things in our life? When we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we read that love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, and that it does not boast, Are we applying those things to our life? And if we're not, are we asking God to help us live out that type of love in our life? A love that does not seek after what we want. Rather, a love that seeks out what is beneficial to the other people around us. Those that God has given us as a mission field. When we express His love, we are helping someone when they're in need. We see someone in need and we're not sitting there saying, you know what, they can get a job. Or 
are we judging them and saying the things that we say about them or thinking the things that we think about them? Or do we say, regardless of what I think, I'm going to help them anyway, knowing that God's love and His work is going to shine out in my life because it's not about what He does with the help that I give Him. It's about that I was willing to help. And God's love is going to shine in those moments. And that's what we have to remember as Christians. It's not our position to judge another person. That's God's position to judge them. Our position is to be servants to the world. Servants to those that one day we hope will see the goodness of God in us and want to be part of that goodness and come in to the family of God as well. Let God's gracious love shine through you this week.